1: Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Milwaukee. Also, the Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Spread Eagle, which is most definitely an actual place. Uh, You you can look it up yourself. I had to look it up myself because I didn't actually believe it. Uh, We got an email, which we don't often talk about, but you can email us. Uh, Frank, what's the email for us? I don't know. You have it.
0: it. (laughs) Locked on Bucks at gmail.com. It's really creative. Um, and uh, sure. shout out to uh, Eric Sierra. Eric, I hope I got your name right. Uh, Eric, uh, I guess is from Spread Eagle or lives near Spread Eagle. Um, and uh, Or maybe he just
1: wanted us to say he ESPN Spread, Spread Eagle. Eagle.
0: But yeah, he sent us this way back in late August. And this was like in the span of a week we got uh, Boners Lake and Spread Eagle. So, um, yeah, I mean, two affiliates that have been just racked with uh, sexual harassment accusations um, may not be may not be open much longer just due to a lot of ugliness uh, at those two places. But um, they they are, as of yet, I think, still affiliates for for you to uh, to represent. For, for the ESPN spread Eagle and ESPN boners Lake, so there you go yeah
1: and we'll see spread Eagle is gonna be a little bit more difficult to get to uh, than boners Lake. boners Lake is at least in like the greater Milwaukee area spread Eagle is like up by Iron Mountain uh, right by the like the UP like borderline so it's way up there I don't know if I'll make my way up there but uh, shout out to all of our listeners up in yes uh, uh, up in spread Eagle so appreciate that as always uh, Frank I don't know how cl- I, I can I can say with confidence we are getting closer to not being in the dead zone of the NBA offseason, but I can confidently say we are still in the dead zone of the NBA offseason.
0: Does that does that suffice? I think so. I think in terms of of things happening, obviously we are we're really just waiting for for media day, um, which is you know like the um, I, I don't know it's 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 just uh, kind of the softball media softball day of the year as well we'll we'll talk about a lot of things being said and a lot of perspective optimism and all that other stuff um but you know again the, the, it's obvious there's a, a signal to noise uh issue with media day in and of itself but by the time media day is around rolls around we're just thrilled to have anything happen so um what, what is that uh, september 24th i think two weeks from-
1: literally literally two weeks okay away.
0: so it's monday september 10th right now uh, it is nine 30 in the evening central time in case, in case there's some momentous event and people on Tuesday are wondering <laughs> why we weren't talking about it. Um, you know, like if, if I, Travis Trice was named, I think the USA basketball, one of those qualifying teams or whatever, US. if, uh, if, if Travis Trice is, uh, you know, traded in a blockbuster deal, um, you know, for Gary Payton, the second or something like that tomorrow, um, uh, apologies if we miss it um but you know that's just the 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 challenge of doing a tape delayed <laughs> podcast but um but yes we're in the dog days but um th- there there is content being produced and i think one of our favorite annual um pieces of content for the league as a whole uh came started to come out today and it's always good fodder for thinking about we did we did our ranking of the bucks roster recently got a couple different ways and and obviously we've talked a little bit about how the bucks players fit in the broader context of the league um and uh that continues uh with the discussion we're gonna have today
1: yeah the the sports illustrated nba 100 came out today um or the first part of the you know, or the of the sports illustrated nba 100
0: i get not just any top not just 100. any 100 eric the top 100 sure
1: sure they did they did not pick out 233 to 333 no, no. in the league <laughs> Which also might kind of be a fun exercise. Uh, it does feel like a, a very uh, blogger kind of idea to go that deep. Um, I think maybe. Do you think Pat Connaughton would be in the two thirty three to three thirty three range? Is he? Is he higher than that? I don't know. We'd have to. Oh, yeah. We'd have to really. We'd have to really uh-huh. break that down and yeah. try to get deep into it. But um, I will say this: so a number of these lists are probably going to come out in the next couple of weeks. They always do. There's always a lot of talk about them, and I will say that I don't mind talking about the Sports Illustrated one because I know that Rob Mahoney and Ben Golliver obsess over it. Like I, I know that those two just go insane about it, and it's not like I think the ESPN 100 is just like some people vote and like you well,
0: NBA. That's NBA rank. They do the whole league, right? They do like 450. Yeah. Or something, right?
1: Yeah. And it's just like, okay, I, I don't really know about this, but like Rob and Ben legitimately obsessed about it. If you listen to uh, the Open Floor podcast, which you should, because uh, shout out to Is Andrew currently, Andrew Sharp, currently in the Bucks Mafia? He wrote something about Giannis possibly being the MVP. I feel like he's got to be a Bucks Mafia member for yeah, the time Yeah. I mean, being.
0: Uh, if, if, uh, I feel like if, uh, the Bucks Mafia slash Bucks media world was like the Avengers, um, Andrew would be like Loki, you know, like he's, he's kind of, uh, he's like, <laughs> he's kind of like works against us, but then there's other times where he's with us. Um, it's just sort of a torture, it's, it's a, a torture relationship kind of, but, um, you know, if, I, I guess I'm going to say that I'm, I, I'm going to just nominate myself as Thor, which is hilarious, uh, given my lack of strength, but, um, Andrew is my brother. Uh, sometimes we fight Uh, mostly we love each other. <laughs> Um, but, uh, I, I think it's a tenuous thing with Andrew, but, uh, but yes, Ben, and let's just say there's Ben and, uh, and Rob at least have a much healthier view of, uh, of Chris Middleton than our, than our friend Andrew, who though he is a long time, really since day one, Giannis Stan, um, let's just say his, his opinions of Chris Middleton among others have, uh, maybe not, uh been been where we would think they should be but anyway i digress
1: i'm curious maybe this year he'll really be in on middleton because he's doing a lot of iso scoring and sharp always seems to cape for kevin durant like that should be it feels like a a a natural partnership there but i don't know um but I, i guess what i'm saying is if you've listened to open floor this summer you've heard been talking about for literally months about him and rob already doing top 100 emails uh so like they've obsessed over it the whole off season so i feel like they really do take some time and try to compile this list so like i don't mind kind of breaking down some of the thoughts that they have like I, you're not going to hear us debate the nba rank list because largely i i don't think the nba rank list is all that good of a product uh while the si top 100 On the other hand, I do believe is. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And one thing I was kind of curious about, Frank, is how do you feel about the general idea of ranking players? Uh, Because to me, it feels, and we've done it already this summer, like we tried to figure out where Chris Middleton would be. And some of these problems came up as we were doing it. But I just feel like as you think about how to rank a player, what makes a player valuable? There's just so much different. Th- there's so many different things that can go into it. There's so much that can contribute to someone's value. There's so much that you have to look at someone's situation, what role they're playing. Could they play a larger role in a different team? If they were in that person's shoe, could they put up uh, the same numbers? Like, how does all of this work? And I, I, every time I think about it, it just feels like, too difficult too complex of a thing to try to parse out but then i end up ranking things (laughs) and uh, i feel a a little bit defeated that you know maybe i should have just not done that but um it is something that we end up doing how do you feel about like the general exercise of trying to rank
0: nba players i think it's only a natural um Thing to, to think about i mean you know again i, I think certainly in the nba specifically we, we've developed this kind of i think unhealthy slash not so interesting discussion around like you know the ultimate comparison now is lebron chasing michael jordan as as the greatest of all time and that that discussion um which is sort of a you know i think kind of a natural extension of, of just trying to rank current players um so I think it's only natural. The thing, the probably thing I like least about the top 100 that Ben and Rob do is how kind of vague they leave it. Um, and I'll, I'll read sort of the the description of, of how they do this. Um, and to me, I, I think there's an easier way to sort of kind of frame this, which kind of maybe would, would help get everybody a little more on the same page. But um, the way they say it, and I'll just I'll just read this directly from this year's. Um, or actually this was from last year's rankings. But given the wide variety of candidates involved and the deep analytical resources available, no single definitive criterion was used to form this list. Instead, rankings were assigned based on a fluid combination of subjective assessment and objective data. The list is an attempt to evaluate each player in a vacuum, independent of their current team context as much as possible. Players' prospects beyond 17-18 did not play a part in the ranking process. They also talk about um you know they weight injuries they wait past uh, performance including the postseason um they didn't they don't do rookies in, as part of this um and obviously they're trying to do you know predictions for for this coming year so the fact that you thought somebody was the best player last year doesn't mean that he'll be the best player this year um and they also don't factor in uh salary which obviously is an important kind of piece of this but to me I, I feel like there's a much easier way to. I don't know. Maybe this is sort of implied by the way they're doing it. But as we talk about it, th- this is how I'm thinking about this. And let me know if you think this is reasonable. Because to me, this is a much. I think hopefully a much simpler way to kind of frame this. Um, to me, this is like you know we t- we've talked about the expansion draft idea when we were doing our kind of ranking of the rosters um, for the Bucks, sort of on their own. Um, but to me, I, I, I view this as well. If if you you know, got rid of everybody's team affiliations and every team just could go out and, and draft a team for just this coming year. Right. I mean, I don't want to call it a fantasy draft, but you know, like a real life fantasy draft basically for, for teams. Um, if you could go out and every team could just pick, you know, go one through 30 and just pick, pick the new roster. Um, I mean, again, like, you know, granted the, the needs and team needs and things like that would begin to come into play, but, you know, ignoring the kind of the need element, like, you know, where would you pick all these guys? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, I think in, and and obviously there's, there's a lot of kind of different interest you can see both at the top and as well as, as you move down, you know, just sort of factoring in different pieces of, of, you know, things about like upside versus proven performance, things like that. So th- that's kind of how I think about this. I think of it, you know, like how do you compare, you know, like Chris Middleton and DeMar DeRozan, right? I think last year Middleton was 35 and DeRozan was 36, right? Like how do you compare, who's better right who's a better player um and i don't know to me like the easiest way to sort of think about it in in a non-full paragraph way is to just think all right like if you just were like a gm and you didn't know anything about who else was on your team you just said do you want this guy or do you want that guy for this year who would you take right is that i mean is that a fair way to do it do you see a problem with thinking about it that way because um, that might be the easiest way for me to sort of i don't know come up with a framework for, for thinking about this
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't hate that. Uh, I think the, uh, I think you can kind of move our rules, uh, from the pickup game over kind of like you, you have to think about it as, and this is really hard to do, but you have to take out like kind of future, uh, future implications, what this player's contract may be, you know, what they could grow into as a player. And then you also have to, I mean, I think in some ways kind of take out past performance or or certainly take out, uh, the idea of past team specific performance. And that's something that we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, today as we start to look through the list, but I, I think that works, right? Like, I think it can be as simple as that now where it may get more difficult is, uh, if you do have the entirety of the league, like how do you whittle that down into groups and then figure out what those kind of, head-to-head decisions are. Um, I think that can be a little bit where it it gets more difficult because then you have to be thinking in your head, okay, where do big guys kind of factor into the league? Like what are some other league trends? Like what are, what are the things that I believe in as far as what you need from an NBA player? So I, I think Naturally, there's going to be some subjectivity in that. Um, But I I do think it could be as simple as, you know, like you see two guys and, you know, which one would you rather have on your team? And and I do think it can be that simple. But uh, obviously, when when you have the entirety of the player pool in the entire NBA, I I can see where it can become a little bit more difficult. And and maybe you have to try to find a way to uh, get yourself a, a way to, have some criteria or something to try to break that down. But I, I think it can be as simple as you said.
0: Okay. So we've got to th- this today. We got the first 50 in, uh, in the list, which was the hundred through 51 rankings. Um, and this year there were two bucks in the 51 through 100 rankings. That was Brooke Lopez, which I was, I wasn't even really thinking about when I started looking through it, but I think it kind of makes sense. Um, he came in at 99, which Um, interestingly, Brooke Lopez was number 45 a year ago. And, um, you know, again, like is, is Brooke Lopez, did Brooke Lopez like become that much worse of a player last year compared to, um, you know, what they saw going into the previous season to make him drop literally 54 spots. Um,
1: 54 players got better.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to me, it's interesting, right? I mean, last year, Greg Monroe was 73. I, I'm, I, I mean where would greg monroe be if they did if they did the full, full ranking of the league this year like 200 I, I don't know i mean I, I have no idea just from a role perspective you know it's it's almost like he doesn't really have a chance to necessarily show how good he can be just because there just isn't really necessarily room for guys like greg monroe so much so the game's obviously changing and it impacts players like lopez who to his credit i mean unlike greg monroe lopez has obviously um, developed a three-point shot maybe not you know a lights out three-point shot but but he's you know tried to become more of that, uh, modern type of player. So, um, so yeah, Brooke Lopez at 99 and then at 53, uh, Eric Bledsoe, who I think what a year ago, he was, I believe 38. Um, so Bledsoe, um, still checking in at a, you know, reasonably respectable number. Yeah. Um, and I think showing that, uh, again, that, you know, for all of his struggles in the postseason. Um, they obviously factored in a a lot more than that, including, you know, obviously the much better play that we saw from him during the regular season, including, you know, those last, you know, two and a half months, call it, uh, of the regular season. So those guys, um, top 50 or sorry, top 100, um, obviously two more players from the bucks will be, uh, released. uh, And I don't know if it's going to come out Tuesday, so maybe a little anticlimactic once you guys listen to this, but, um, obviously Chris Middleton and Giannis will be in the top 50. Um, We talked about Chris in the context of the, the top kind of 50 or wherever he would rank. Um, What was that? Maybe a couple months ago. And um, I think we kind of ended up with him in the mid thirties, which is where he was last year in their rankings. 35. I think he was 38 the year before. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, what do you, what do you think? Is that, is that still a reasonable place for for Chris to be, or where do you think Chris Middleton is going to shake out this year in terms of uh, his value, his uh, his greatness, his whatever whatever the the single word <laughs> that we're using to describe him?
1: I can't imagine it really moves all that much, and this is it's it's weird to see Chris middle Middleton kind of like settle into a spot, and you know it. The, I, I just think there's a certain level that he can only get to because I don't know if anyone ever sees him as a team's number one option. Uh, he does have an advanced age in comparison to young players. Um, and again, I say two young players, I'm not going to pick out specific players, but younger players are going to probably continually hop over them um, just because that's going to kind of be how it works. And then as some of those fail, they'll drop below Middleton uh, and then some other young players will drop jump above him and then uh, it'll kind of settle out. But I think he just kind of stays for at, at least this year. And again, maybe next year and the year after that. And I'm not sure when he gets to the other side of his bell curve uh, as far as his peak goes. But I just think when you, you look at him as a player, there's, there's a certain level that he's gotten to uh, 20 points per game, which I'm not sure most people would have guessed when he first came. Actually, I know most people would have never guessed that's what he would have got to when he first got to Milwaukee. Um, But in recent years, I think that did start to seem more and more like a possibility. Um, But I don't think he's ever going to be a 28-point-per-game score. Like, like I don't think that's ever happening. So there's always going to be the question. So when you're doing a ranking like this, you're going to kind of go through and say, okay, these are the alpha dogs of the league. That probably gets you to number 10 or so. Uh, And then I think 10 through 30 is kind of guys that, you know, are up and coming alpha dogs, guys that are wannabe alpha dogs, like guys that uh, you're looking at as sort of number one options and you're not 100% sure. Maybe they have some flaws. So I I just think this is probably his spot 35-ish for... I mean, you said it, what, 38 last two years ago, 35 last year. I think I can't imagine him above 30, um, maybe. And again, both Rob and and Ben really like Chris quite a bit um, and kind of stuck their necks out and put him up higher than most people would have kind of earlier in this process uh, just because they do value that 3 and D uh, kind of player. But I don't know if he, he can move all that much higher. And I don't know if that necessarily says anything bad about him as a player or that he can't improve anymore. I just think he doesn't have the, the blue chip number one superstar pedigree, whatever you want to call it, that people are going to uh, push him up any higher on that list.
0: Yeah, so I mean, just eyeballing the list from a year ago, they had Hass- Hassan Whiteside, 34. He's not going to be as good as Chris. Uh, Chris Epps, Porzingis, 33. Uh, normally, I would not put Chris at Porzingis, but just for taking it as a one-year thing, you know, I, Porzingis probably misses the first couple months of the season. and He's coming back from an ACL tear, so I'll I'll say Chris will be, you know, effectively a more valuable player this year than Porzingis if, for no other reason than that. Um, and then kind of, kind of eyeballing against some of these other Deandre Jordan at 28. Again, I just, I'm guessing Jordan's defense, um, is not going to be good enough that, you know, I mean, again, he's, he's valuable as an offensive player, as a rim runner. Um, but I, I don't think he's that valuable, especially, you know, when you think about like, well, what does he do late in games? You know, can you, can you run offense through him? Things like that. So I'll say Jordan drops down below that as well. Um, Millsap and Kevin Love, um. I mean, both good players. Obviously, they're kind of tough to compare to Chris. Um, both aging, both have had injuries problems. I, I don't know who. I don't know if either of those guys is actually worse than than Chris Middleton, but um, I'll just say one of those two is, is going to be <laughs> good. So that's four. And then, kind of you keep going. Marcus Ole at number twenty four. I, mm. I, I don't know. I just I, I don't really know if I buy into Marcus Ole, given where he is age wise, um, as being kind of this really high level impact player anymore. So I'll put on my Chris Middleton colored glasses and say he'll also drop below. And then um, Boogie Cousins was at twenty-three a year ago. And again, just injury wise, like you know, he'll probably not even play like the first couple months of the season. So yeah. even if he comes back and is amazing, um I don't really see him him kind of fitting in. So I think that's like five or six guys that you could move up. So you could say, okay, well, you go from thirty-five to like twenty-nine or thirty. Yeah, but there's also guys behind Chris that are better. Um Joel Embiid last year was number forty one. Um, obviously, he's you know way higher than he was uh, a year ago. Um, other than that, um, there's not maybe a ton of guys. Um, I think there's definitely some players. I mean, Drew Holiday was 60 a year ago. We talked about how good he was. He was a guy that we mentioned as being a guy that you could certainly make the case was a better player than Chris last year. And you know, again, given his age, no reason to think he's you know going to be like demonstrably worse. I, I don't. Again, I don't know if that that may have been sort of a unique circumstance that led kind of holiday to be as good as he was on both sides last year um was healthy which has been a challenge um so he's another guy that again you could argue is is moving up um and then ben simmons wasn't in the list a year ago Then donovan mitchell wasn't in the list a year ago because they were rookies so those are obviously a couple guys that you know you would say um you know again i guess you could debate like whether um you know mitchell in particular like if he does if he's kind of doesn't make any real big improvements is he actually better than chris middleton overall Eh, you could argue that but i'll give the benefits out i mean you know as a rookie to, to put up his numbers and you know his ability as a as a creator and as a scorer um i think you know kind of speak for themselves so um so yeah i think you do i kind of end up with chris middleton in that low to mid 30s range i think that's reasonable and um i don't think it necessarily changes a lot from from last year to this year i think he could certainly be a better player, especially when you factor in hopefully defensive improvements uh, under Mike Budenholzer, which last year obviously was probably the biggest concern with him. Um, even, even if you consider like his kind of inconsistency from three, I think the bigger issue with Chris last year was sort of the defensive side. Um, but I think yep. him playing fewer minutes, him playing fewer minutes at the four, um, I think those kind of make him a healthier bet to. Uh, to to perform in that maybe the low 30s range uh in terms of overall performance what do you think
1: i, I think it's uh, to me it makes a lot of sense like uh, the the thing i and i kind of talked about this with josh lloyd on the lockdown fantasy bucks preview but the thing i've been balancing in my head and again i don't know how this really plays into top 100 ideas and thoughts but i, I think no matter what you're going to see raw numbers from Giannis and Chris possibly take a hit in some spot because they're not going to be in the top 10 in minutes per game. And, And maybe Giannis is just because he's such a super duper star that, everyone is going to play him a lot, but I think he probably isn't seen quite the minute load that he saw with Jason kid. Like, I think all of that comes down. So then, you know, if those minutes come down, does 20 points per game go away for Chris, uh, or maybe he has more legs and he shoots from the three better. And that covers, uh, you know, not getting the getting two or three minutes less per game. Um, you know, maybe he's able to be more efficient and take better shots and uh, not feel like he has to force as much and maybe his numbers stay static. But I do think that's going to be part of all this this year is kind of balancing out where all of that goes. And again, I think you're going to see a a level of production somewhere between 25 and the between the 25th and the 40th best play, 40th best player, uh, in the NBA from Chris. Like, I, I just think that's kind of where he is. Um, and I mean, that's pretty nice when you have a guy like Giannis, who's, I guess, we can talk about this. Is he going to be top five on the list? Because I, I think there's certainly a chance.
0: Yeah. Last year, uh, he was, uh, uh let's see, ke- uh, ninth. Um, and the top the top 10 last year was LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Kawhi Leonard, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul, Anthony Davis, Giannis, and Draymond Green. And so I think it's interesting to look at this. Obviously, you expect Giannis to be rising in this list rather than falling. Um, and so to me, as I looked at it, I thought, well, who are the guys that you'd expect Giannis to pass or have the best chance of passing this year? And I think the obvious guys that jumped out to me were chris paul just because again i think you know especially if you're talking about in terms of overall impact in the regular season in particular um you know again like his ability to stay healthy has been obviously a big question mark i don't think he's gonna play you know i don't think he can play like big minutes he played 32 minutes a game a year ago and still missed a fair bit of time um and you know again like one thing that came up i was listening to um you know dunk don's rockets preview this year i mean can chris paul and james harden like maintain just these historically incredible ISO numbers for a second straight year? I don't know. I think that's a really interesting question, especially for Paul, given his age. Um, and uh, so, I, and not to diminish Chris Paul, because I mean, he is uh, has been, I think, one of the most, also one of the most underrated players in terms of like overall value and greatness um, for the last, I mean, I don't know, decade, <laughs> pretty much. I mean, yeah. he, he's not just like a great point guard. He is just a great, great player. And um, his ability, contributions on both sides of the ball, maybe not as much defensively anymore, but um, you know, is 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 just incredible. But I think if you if you do look at Giannis, I think Chris Paul, you'd expect him to to kind of beat Paul um, this year. I would also say you'd expect him to do the same with Westbrook. Um, again, just you know, yep. whatever Westbrook's counting stats are, Giannis is much more efficient. I mean, he scored more last year. Um, he didn't obviously have the assist numbers, but um, you know, in terms of being a more efficient scorer. And then on the other side, I mean, obviously he's a vastly superior defender to to Russell Westbrook. Um, so I, I think, again, I, I appreciate that Westbrook is, is a guy that can just sort of carry an offense just because of the way that, um, you know, again, just like he just can carry a, a heavy, heavy load, even if he may not be super efficient. Um, I would expect him again. I mean, last year he was better than Westbrook. I think that would happen again this year as Westbrook ages. And then I think as far as some of these other guys, I mean, it's so tough with with Curry and Durant and to even LeBron to an extent, just because these guys are. If we're talking about this as like a regular season ranking in particular, um, and and maybe that's not the right right way to think about. It. Maybe it is just like a full season. Type. It's probably we should probably think of it as like a full season thing, not just a. It's not like an MVP ballot we're talking about here. We're talking about just who do you want on your team next year, you know, regular season and playoffs. Um, just because Curry, Durant, LeBron. I mean, they're playing for much more than, you know, what Giannis and the Bucks have tried to play for in the past, right? I mean, the Bucks have been angling for playoff positioning to try to win a series, right? I mean, the, the stakes are just so much bigger for Curry and Durant. And obviously, you know, if Giannis was on the Warriors, then it would be the same story for him. It's not like, you know, if Curry was on the, the Bucks, that they'd be contending for a championship or something. Um, but it, it's obviously just sort of a little bit hard to compare them because uh, they obviously kind of probably to some extent, like pick their spots a little bit in the regular season. I mean, LeBron and even Durant to some extent defensively, I think you could say, um, you know, they, they aren't giving as much uh, as, as somebody like Giannis does in the regular season. Um, so it's it's kind of hard for me to even like compare. Um, I feel like to, to, to bump Harden, Curry, Durant, LeBron out of one of those top four spots you, well, first off, you got to win a playoff series. I feel like, and, and again, Giannis obviously does, doesn't have the supporting cast that um, that Curry and Durant and and even Harden has. Um, but I, I think it's kind of hard to say Giannis is is going to be a better player than those guys this year, just because again, like we just we haven't seen it in the playoffs. Or at least, I mean, Giannis was really good in the playoffs, but we haven't seen um, we haven't seen obviously just the end result of of winning series. So that, that's kind of where I struggle. So again, I, and, and Kawhi is the other guy in here. Um, I don't know. I think there's still obviously uncertainty around Kawhi coming back from the injury in a new place. I think he's going to be, you know, a great player. Um, Do I trust that he's automatically just a shoo-in top five player? I don't know. I think you got to, you know, have have to show it on the court more than nine games a year um, to do that. So um, I think maybe a charitable reading would say, you know, LeBron, Durant, Curry, Harden. And then again, I think after last year, I think Anthony Davis is obviously the other guy that that is the the fast riser at eight a year ago. Um, so you know, I think maybe you could say Giannis is sixth, maybe if you put him behind AD. Um, that that again, some folk you know, some of you guys may feel like we're are underrating Giannis. Um, I think he'll finish higher in the MVP validing than that. Um, but in part, that's because you know Curry and Durant just sort of cancel each other out. Um, so I, I don't know. So maybe I'll say six, Giannis at six um, while trying not to be too, uh, you know, too overly optimistic or too charitable um, with ranking of Giannis. But um, again, hopefully in a year, we're talking about him as a top three player because he's shown it and proven it at the highest level by winning playoff series. Um, But for right now, I think it's just a little tougher just because he doesn't have that track record.
1: And so the five you have in front are LeBron, Durant, Curry, Harden. Who else? Oh, Davis. Those are your five in front. Yeah. I think the big question is, you know, do you prefer Giannis to Anthony Davis? Because I I don't think you can at this point prefer Giannis to any of those other four ahead, to LeBron, Curry, Durant, or Harden. Like I, I don't I can't imagine a world where where you would have that. If those guys have much longer track records. They have playoff success. Uh, they have MVPs. Um, I, I just think those four would be better players. I think, uh, where it gets interesting. And again, we've already done this in the summer, but I think it gets interesting with Kawhi Leonard because I think last year you were well within your right to put Kawhi Leonard in front of Giannis. Uh, and then Kawhi didn't really play. And no one has seen him play in a while, and we don't really know what he's going to look like, what he's going to look like, uh, kind of outside of the Spurs ecosystem. Not that the Raptors ecosystem is bad or, or anything like that, but it, it will be with a different team, so we do need to see what that looks like. Um, and then I think even because I think Giannis does have Kawhi, like, I, I think at this point, missing all those games last year and having the question marks that Kawhi does. Like, I think that puts Giannis ahead of him. And obviously we've talked about this already that we think he's the best player in the East. It does get tougher with Anthony Davis just because I mean, one, Anthony Davis has the pedigree. Like he he's been that guy already, uh, for, for one year longer than Giannis, right? And as you kind of go through the trajectory of Anthony Davis's career, I think you're probably seeing something similar to Giannis's career. Obviously, Giannis started in a lower place. It uh, wasn't as highly regarded as a prospect, but in the last few years, like they've kind of sort of started to match up with each other. Like when Anthony Davis has a big all-star game, oh, look at that. Giannis has a huge all-star game the next year. Like yeah, they're, they're kind of climbing up all nba to the uh, the all nba polling in the same way like i think they are in many ways quite similar and it's just a matter of uh, to me in some ways it's a matter of preference like do you uh help out anthony davis a little bit because he was in the west and assume that if he was in the east he would have won uh, a playoff series already is that fair is that unfair um what is, what do you say about Giannis and the coaches that he's had you know uh, what do you say about Anthony Davis and his coaches like I, I think all of that comes into it but I, I would agree I think Giannis at six probably makes sense to me if if, if I had to go through it all I, to me that's where that's where it makes sense
0: yeah and again I, I think it's interesting how the, how our rankings come out differently, you know, through different prisms, right? We talked about how from an asset value standpoint, when you factor in, you know, long-term value to a franchise, because right now we've only been talking about this as a single year exercise. But if it's a, you know, redraft uh, keeper league yeah. season or whatever, and, you know, they do it that way, you know, we talked about why Giannis probably is the most valuable asset in the NBA, Um, because he's given his age and, um, you know, his contract and uh, just the fact that he already has attained such high levels of greatness at such a young age. um, I I don't, I feel very comfortable saying he's the best asset in the NBA. Um, We've talked about, you know, a little bit about just from an MVP standpoint, why he probably deserves to be a top three um, candidate from an MVP perspective. Because again, you know, you look at some of these other guys, you look at, you know, uh curry and durant probably canceling each other out because they play for the same team and everybody sort of assumes they're going to be great and you know they if they win 62 games everybody's going to be like yeah well you know that was fine but whatever you guys are expected to do that um and you know just just like other guys like i mean Harden. i think there's going to be less um kind of less momentum for Harden to be an mvp a second straight year especially if they have a little bit of a regression as you might expect and so I think, again, that kind of leaves Giannis in a really interesting spot alongside you know, Anthony Davis. And um, I think Kawhi Leonard is also a really interesting guy who's come from a narrative perspective. Um, and, and obviously LeBron, who, you know, we'll see. Um, but, but a lot of it obviously is with these guys like LeBron, Davis, and Giannis in particular, who are on teams that could all win 50 games. You could say all of them, you know, have a good chance to win 50 games if things kind of break right. And all of them, you know, will get the vast majority of the credit if their team, you know, if if any of those guys win fifty-five games, they're gonna get the credit and there's gonna be a ton of MVP momentum for for, for any of those guys. If I, I would say that, like you know, you could almost tell me, like, if, if one of those guys wins 55 games, and, you know, the others aren't particularly close to that from a team perspective, um, they're all going to put up monster numbers. Maybe this is the year LeBron does end up playing a little bit more off ball, maybe, you know, his raw numbers go down a little bit or something like that, in which case that probably helps certainly the other guys. Um, but I, I think, you know, again, so much of this is going to come down to, especially for Davis and, and Giannis, like winning games at a level that, at, that they haven't previously, which these other guys have. So again, like, MVP Giannis, MVP Davis, top three candidates. Yeah, um, asset values. I think those are your top two yeah. kind of assets in the NBA. Just you know, when you factor in age. But then, in terms of like, all right, you know, if you had to bet on guys to you know lead you to team success, regular season, postseason. Um, Giannis is at a very, very high level. Davis is as well. Um, but to kind of put those guys ahead of like Kevin Durant at this point, man. That, that's tough. I'm I'm not I'm not kind of willing to go there yet. Even if I think that Giannis, you know, will probably have a better regular season than than most of those guys.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that'll be kind of interesting to watch how they how they handle it because they'll have to, you know, figure out how to get through all of that. God, uh, yeah, and again, that's kind of what makes the the project they're doing so interesting, and that makes. Uh, all of this as difficult as it can be, so I, it'll it'll be fun to see how it all shakes out. All right, we will talk to you guys later. For Frank, man, I'm Eric. Name this has been locked on bucks. We'll talk to you later.